0: Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the award-winning Stranger Times podcast. We don't have to mention the award, but you know, legally, we're literally we're obliged to at this point. I hope you're well. CK slash Queen MacDonald here. Um, in the sort of quiet before the storm, really. It's 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 release week, folks. We're we're there. Uh, as I record this, actually, myself and Wonder Wife have just come back from a a dog holiday in Wales. There's no point calling it No no one goes to the middle of Wales in the middle of January. Unless they, frankly, you're doing it for their dogs. Because it was an amazing place. We had a wonderful time. We were actually blessed. We had uh, the only dry <laughs> the only dry week of the entire winter, as far as I can see. So we went to a lovely place where there was nobody around us. We got two dogs running around having a wonderful time. The dogs were in Shangri-La. And it was just lovely to hang out with the dogs and the, and the missus and have a nice relaxing week. And I spent it signing. I have signed all of the uh, book plates and everything for anyone who's been nice enough to pre-order the hardback. I think, actually, you can still technically do that. If you want to pre-order the hardback and get a copy of the paper and all that stuff, you can still do it if you go to strangetimes.com. If you're coming to any of the events, by the way, you should hopefully, as long as stocks last, you should be able to get a copy of the paper there anyway. And obviously, you can get the book signed there anyway. On the on the events, just really quickly. Um, I'm not even sure when this is coming out, so it might be too late to get, get these. But Kipworth on Monday, which is in Leicestershire, lovely indie bookshop. And it's Leeds Tuesday, um Leeds Tuesday Liverpool Wednesday Manchester Thursday still tickets available for them I believe all of those they're all Waterstones just go to the Waterstones website and it's CK McDonald. obviously don't look for quave Glasgow the week after is completely sold out and uh, seems extremely oversubscribed to be honest we're getting quite a lot of emails people asking to get in and stuff so that's that's gone, I'm afraid. But I will be signing books and stuff. If you still, if you want to sign a book or anything like that it, from Glasgow, and you can't get a ticket, uh, if yet, I'm sure if you rang the store and ask them, I'll happily put whatever dedication you want. Yeah, speaking of it, I just really because we're I'm doing. Oh, next week is going to be uh, it's going to be fun. But oh, I'm working, baby. I'm actually properly working for a living next week. I'll tell you that now. Monday, I'm going to be doing a signing well, like I'm just signing stock in Forbidden Planet in London and I'll be doing the Goldsboro books which are the special limited edition if you've not seen them they're really cool with all the, the black thingy and the thing they're really great the black edging that's what it's called yes sorry and then just uh, I'll quickly run you through the list I've been given for next week I'm doing I'm just running these are mainly signing so I'm just basically running in signing books and running out again because there's a lot to get done Dark Peaks Books and Glossop which is a lovely bookshop Read and Holmesforth, not been there before Look forward to that the Book Vault and Barnsley, which have been very supportive of us. I'm going to be there signing stock. I know they've been putting them to things. And then I'll also be doing uh, signings at Imagine Things. Harrogate it's a lovely shop I was in when I was there at the Harrogate Festival last time. The Little Written Bookshop, again, I haven't been there before. So that'll be doing a signing there. Just signing books the book there. it would be great. Waterstones Preston, I've been there several times. Love them. They're, they're, they're big fans of the book, which is great. They've got a few people there. I think they've always been great supporters of us. And then I think possibly Wigan, hopefully Waterstones, Warrington Waterstones maybe. These, these are not definite yet, depending on frankly, depending on traffic as much as anything. Uh, Waterstones Chester, I'm definitely trying to get to. Apparently there's, a, there's so many there who's been big supporters of us. Then definitely Waterstones Stockport, doing that on, on Thursday at this point. Callum and the, and the crew there have been great supporters of us, and that's my, my local. I'll be in there, EJ Moulton Bookshop in Disbury. I'll be doing Waterstones Altricum, which again, a great cracking shop. And uh, B for Butterfly Books, I'll be in there signing stuff as well. And I'll do all basically all the Waterstones in Manchester, Trafford Centre, I'll be doing there. Uh, the Arndale, and, and, of course, Deansgate, we're doing the event. And House of Books and Friends, which is a lovely indie and uh, King Street in Manchester, I shall be there as well. And as I say, in Glasgow, uh, um, um, the event, I think, is in... Yes, the event is Argyle Street and I'll be doing... I think I'm going to try and drop into the one in Saki Hall Street as well and uh, sign some books there. So, yeah, point is I'll be around everywhere doing it. And if you want to get it signed, if you missed any of those, you can also go through the, the com. But do pretty much, as soon as you're here, this you'll have to do it or else it might be too late to get all the stuff. I know we're running out of papers and hopefully we're going to get some more. Yeah, so it's going to be exciting. Oh, also, and the live event will be on Friday, uh, the live online event. Friday, January 26th, 8pm UK, Ireland time, what have you. Do come along to that. That'll be the end of the week. It'll be me, <laughs> frankly. Just looking exhausted after spending the entire day, when I uh, spending the entire week driving around the country, and then the entire day on Friday when I finally get back, uh, having my face licked by a frankly over anxious dog, who um, will have been going mental because I won't have been here. The one, the one we brought the dogs At a holiday. Part, part of it was. We'll bring about, be nice and relaxed and stuff. But the problem is now Diller, who's. I mean Jackson's fine. He's, he's Mummy's dog. He doesn't really care about me. But Diller, who's the little over anxious fella, has just got used to be beaming around more than ever. So I think next week we may have actually made this worse for ourselves because he'll be like going, Where where's he gone? Where's Daddy? So yeah. Anyway, it's going to be an exciting week. Uh, it's genuinely. Uh, that, I don't know what it is, but it feels like the build up to this one coming out felt longer than it has for any of them in, in a sort of weird way. I'm not entirely sure why, because the gap between when I actually finished writing it and coming out was been the shortest, ironically enough. But yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm really, ex- I'm honestly really excited. I'm, I can remember when I finished the book, saying, I think I've said this before, but I, in all honesty, I thought this was the best thing I've ever written. It was, it was pretty exhausting because I was kind of behind when I was writing it, but I got so into it. I was doing it every day and it was just literally my whole world when I was writing it. And it was... I really felt like the the, the plot was, you know, there was just a lot of good stuff in it. So, yeah, excited that people are finally going to get hold of it. And, of course, you can get it on audio and ebook and all that stuff as well. And we're delighted if you, any which way, you support us. Speaking of which, I do want to give you a, a, a little... Next week, the final episode of this kind of season, if you like, it's sort of a bit more spread out because we had all like Christmas special and Halloween special and all that. Got the wonderful Ruth Coburn. I don't know if I said that in the previous one, but uh, she's recording. She's actually recorded a short story for us. So it was another brand new short story to finish the series, which I'm really excited about. I haven't actually heard it yet, but uh, Ruth was she did a, a story in the last series. She did the one about the I can't remember the thing about the future. Was that what it was called? Basically, the woman in the pub. Because she'd be following through on a, on a um, prophecy that she'd had her entire life kind of thing. And she did a fantastic job. So we were delighted to get her back again. Because it was one of these things where I just thought, who can we get? And she was the only pop- name popped into my head. as She would be absolutely perfect for it. And I'm sure she's in a cracking job. Can't, genuinely can't wait to hear it. But that's coming. But this week, we got uh, Brennan McDonald, ladies and gentlemen. Who's, who's always, I mean, look, it's Brennan. What do I need to say? If you're listening to this, you know well who Brandon is, you know how good he is. Particularly thrilled for, I know people have been excited about the audio of that coming out as well. That should be available Thursday. Like it should be, I think they, like it'll literally, if you pre-order it, it should literally come at midnight, I believe, same as the ebook. I think I might end up listening to it myself on Thursday when I'm driving around. Yes. So without further ado here, uh, basically just to set this up for you, I suppose, quickly. Yeah, something like I sort of, um, I've decided that Stella's going to college, kind of, as you'll, university, as you'll hear here. Random little fact for you, by the way. She's basically, I went and did my master's, which I've never completed in creative writing for an MMU, Manchester University. And it's it sort of, uh, it always gets slagged off because it's the two universities, but it's a very fine university. My wife got her master's in there as well. That's how we ended up living in Manchester. She she did complete her master's. She she advertised it. And I'm always getting this wrong. I think it's... Uh, marketing and advertise at, at public relations she did a master's she did really well she's uh, and she's now running a publishing company uh, you know that I own half of but yes put Stella in university and sort of things moved on and the, the streets and all you'll hear referenced here are all around where we used to live actually just up the road from university and yeah this is all it's weird but I've literally I've got pictures of the streets that these events happen on and stuff and it's um, yeah, I don't think I'll say anything else. I think I've been rambling frankly as it is. Without further ado, here is a little final taster of Relight My Fire. I think it's chapter 2. Without further ado, take it away. I hope to see you all at events if you happen to be in those areas I appreciate most you won't be, but do come to the online event and as always thanks for the support. Yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm really excited to get it out there. I hope everyone enjoys the book as much as I enjoyed writing it. And yeah, I shall speak to you next time I do a podcast. We'll, uh, we might actually put, oh, we might put the live event out as a podcast as well, but we'll also have the story. And um, yeah, so I shall speak to you soon. Thank you very much. Goodbye.
1: As soon as the lecturer had wrapped up with his humorous enjoy your Thursday night, but not too much bit, Stella had shoved her notebook in her bag, jammed her headphones on and headed for the door. She told herself her hurry was because she needed to get back to work, but that was only partly true. Hannah had been back as assistant editor of the Stranger Times for a couple of months now, and while things were, well, not exactly running smoothly, they were certainly running more efficiently than they had done in all the time Stella had been there. Hannah had managed to force a bit of forward planning into proceedings, which meant there was less of a panicked rush to get stuff done on a Thursday night for publication the following day. Vincent Bancroft still screamed, shouted, reprimanded, belittled and occasionally eviscerated his staff, but connoisseurs of his moods had noted a reduction in their intensity. It was like having a hurricane downgraded to a tropical storm better, but still not kite-flying weather. He said all the same mean things, but they were delivered at a less ear-splitting volume. Maybe it was because of Hannah's organisational improvements, or perhaps it was because of the other thing. Speaking of things, the whole uni thing had been Bancroft's idea. He'd been saying for a while that Stella was going to be sent on a training course. Then... What happened happened, and a few weeks later she was suddenly a non-assessed student at Manchester Metropolitan University, studying for an undergraduate degree in multimedia journalism. Seemingly, Vincent Baincroft's guilt was a powerful motivator. From what she could glean from Hannah, through a combination of him cashing in whatever favours he was still owed on Fleet Street some badgering, cajoling, and outright blackmailing, plus enlisting some lady called Kathy, who was, as Hannah put it, good with computers. Stella was now attending classes at Manchester's second most prestigious university. She wouldn't be taking exams or receiving any other form of official assessment, but as Bancroft seemed to believe, that was entirely irrelevant as the only assessment that mattered was his. Stella had also been informed that, should anyone ask, she had A-levels in English, Maths and French. Not that it was her biggest concern, but why did they pick French? She didn't know a word of it. She was so freaked out by the prospect of someone trying to speak to her in the language, she'd downloaded an app and was trying to learn some words daily. So far, She had to hope that any chatty French people would primarily be interested in discussing where the library was. Otherwise, she was screwed. As she exited through the revolving doors of the business school, the cold autumnal air hit her like a slap to the face. From here, she could just point at the library, which made her newly learned French redundant. Having a lecture on a Thursday evening, had been the cause of much moaning from her classmates, it being the big going-out night of the week. Lots of students were milling about in groups outside already, laughing, talking too loudly, enjoying life. It looked nice. Pulling her hoodie around her, Stella was reminded yet again that she really needed to get some proper winter clothes because Manchester had proper winters. She turned on her music and the vocals of Robert Smith, assuring the world he was a love cat, filled her ears. The cure were her current go-to. Their brand of whimsical misery really appealed to her. She'd pointedly avoided mentioning it in the office, as any of the olds getting excited about her listening to something they recognised would ruin it. Stella had been terrified of being unmasked as a fraud until Reggie, Hannah and Ox had sat her down the night before uni started and given her a pep talk. It had gone along the lines of, Don't worry about it. Everyone starting university thinks they're a total fraud. People use it as an opportunity to reinvent themselves all the time, and... Someone grabbed Stella's forearm from behind, and she whirled around, crouching into a defensive stance, every sinew tensing. She felt... The thing inside her surged forward, that sickening crackle of power. She was confronted by a startled Yvette, a girl from her course with a round, cheerful face framed by blonde locks, standing there with her hands up, looking utterly mortified. Shit! Sorry, sorry, sorry! Yvette apologised. I'm a total lemon! Didn't mean to startle you! Christ! Good one, Yvette! "'Go round scaring the hell out of people!' "'Stella took a step back and drew a deep breath to calm herself. "'Sorry,' she echoed. "'My bad. I'm very jumpy.' "'No, totally my fault. "'Shouldn't be grabbing women from behind like a muppet. "'I was lucky I didn't get a front-door key in the face. "'That was one of the things they mentioned in that self-defence session "'for female-identifying freshers last week. "'It was good, but also bloody terrifying.' I mean, Jesus, right? Unbelievable. There are some scary people out there. Yes, thought Stella, and I'm one of them. An image flashed into her mind, unbidden, of a massive wave of blue energy surging out of her and ripping a scar in the earth, but she pushed it away. Don't worry about it. Too much coffee, said Stella, trying to muster a smile. She didn't actually drink the stuff, but had learned it was an acceptable excuse for all manner of jumpiness. Her heart rate was slowing down, still punk speed, but now at the more melodic end of the spectrum. Right, well, I just wanted to catch you because a couple of us are heading up to check out Canal Street this evening and we wondered if you wanted to join. I mean, it's the gay village, but you don't have to be... Although obviously great if you are. Aisha is, and she's coming, I think... Plus, B reckons she might be by. I mean, not that any of it matters. It's more, yeah, you know, just wanted to see if you'd fancy it. Yvette talked like that all the time. Just stream of consciousness babbling forth before she finally hit the buffers of a question. She asked a lot of questions. Stella suspected she used them as a breaking mechanism. I'd love to, said Stella. But I'm afraid I've got to get back to the office. Publication night. Right, said Yvette. Yeah, of course. (laughs) They keep you busy. Stella stretched her face into a mock grimace. Deadlines. God, yeah, you're doing like proper journalism. Amazing. What had helped with Stella's imposter syndrome was the first few practical sessions they'd had, where she'd edited copy and then formatted pages using Adobe InDesign. Stella had actually shown her lecturer, John, a couple of easier ways to format articles across two pages. She'd honestly not been trying to show off. It was all just stuff she'd picked up through work and hadn't thought it was much of a big deal, but John had been blown away. Her plan had been to try to keep the Stranger Times thing quiet, but once she was asked directly where she'd gained her experience, she'd had to fess up. The other students had seemed mostly impressed, but it was hard to tell. Stella had little experience with people her own age, or rather people she thought might be her age. Yvette gave a disappointed nod. Sure, some other time then. We could do something earlier in the week when you haven't got that deadline monkey on your back. Yeah, that'd be good. Enjoy your night out. They said their farewells and Stella moved off, heading out onto Oxford Road. She hadn't eaten, and she wanted to pick up some snacks from the spa before heading back to the office and facing whatever inevitable last-minute changes Bancroft wanted to make. On the very first day of class, Yvette had plonked herself beside Stella, opened with, ''You weren't at induction?'' and started talking a mile a minute. She was chatty with everyone, but she seemed determined that she and Stella should be friends. A part of Stella wondered if maybe this was a blonde girl from the home counties looking to snap up a black friend to show how cool she was on the all-important Instagram feed. That was probably unfair. Stella just wasn't good at trusting people. The spar was busy with students stocking up on booze for pre-loading. Stella had read about the concept in an article. Apparently, The way some younger people were economising during the cost-of-living crisis was by getting hammered before they went out. Getting thrown out of a club before you'd even got in was a thing now, as was not drinking at all, increasingly. Two very distinct approaches to life. Stella was definitely in the second camp. Getting out of control was her idea of hell. It wasn't Halloween until Tuesday but fancy dress was already heavily in evidence. Last night she'd seen a white girl who had blacked up as crazy eyes from Orange is the New Black. She didn't even know where to start with that. Bag of Revels, bottle of Prime, sweet chili crisps, and egg mayo roll purchased, Stella headed off down Hume Street. She had yet to figure out how to cope with all of this, she hadn't gone to university to reinvent herself, largely because she was still trying to invent herself. That's why Yvette freaked her out. The girl was a never-ending stream of questions, and Stella didn't have good answers. So, where you from, Yvette? Surrey. Cool. What, me? Oh, no idea. I mean, I know I was being kept in a sort of boarding school come prison Then I busted out, got on the first train I found, then another one, and then I was in Manchester. I headed for a weird old church building because, I don't know, something drew me there, and I'm pretty sure someone was chasing me, but don't ask me who. The old church turned out to be the offices of the Stranger Times, which I discovered when the editor pointed a blunderbuss at me as I was trying to climb in his office window in the middle of the night. Then they took me in like a lost cat and I sort of live slash work there now. Oh, that's not even the weirdest part, because I don't know my age, birthday, where I was born, who the hell my parents are, essentially who I am. None of it. I don't even have a full set of memories. It's like I didn't have a childhood. Not in a chained to a radiator raising seven siblings way. More in a there's a great big gaping hole where a life should be way and I've got nothing but a few snatches of random memories that could all come from the same couple of weeks. Even weirder, it's only really dawned on me recently how strange that is. Like, I didn't know what I didn't know. Like I wasn't properly alive. As if I don't really exist, or at least I didn't until about a year ago when I hopped on that train. And, oh yeah, I killed a man a couple of months ago at a disused golf course because I have this massive, terrifying, uncontrollable power inside me that freaks everybody out, most of all me, and I know nothing about it. I was acting in self-defence as the arse hat in question was trying to, I guess you'd say, drain me of my power or something, before inevitably killing me and a few of my friends, but... Yes, it does still mean I wake up screaming and I have far more golf course related issues than you'd expect from a girl my age, which reminds me, did I mention I don't know my age? Anyway, enough about me. What bands are you into? Yeah, as much as Hannah's heart was in the right place, telling Stella to go and have a normal life, that wasn't happening any time soon. She hadn't gone to that self-defence class Yvette had mentioned because she didn't have to worry about defending herself in the way other women did. Heaven help any sex pest who came at her. Because if she let rip what was inside her, they'd end up a pile of randomised rapey atoms floating away in the light Mancunian breeze. Not that Stella wasn't in danger. She'd been kidnapped twice in about six months after all. The second time had been by Bancroft, her mentor, because the aforementioned golf course homicidal arse hat had got inside Bancroft's head and weaponized his grief following his wife's death. Bancroft hadn't known what he was doing. Stella knew that on an intellectual level, but it hurt her emotionally. It was still a betrayal, albeit an understandable one. She knew it haunted him, too. Judging by the gross overcompensation of the vague promise of her receiving a couple of days' training being upgraded to a three-year degree course she had not even applied for. Still, for all that and for all the anxiety, Stella was happy to be there. She was a student, almost. She was doing what other people her age did, assuming the estimates of her age actually were accurate. As Ox had helpfully pointed out, black dunk crack. Stella could be 34 for all they knew. Regardless, perhaps things were finally calming down. Maybe, just maybe, she could start living a somewhat normal life. Admittedly, it would be a certain approximation of normal. In the last six months, when not being kidnapped, she'd also discovered that magic was real that there was this whole other world that existed just below the surface of the one most people knew, and it was populated with all manner of weird and wonderful creatures and characters, a lot of whom could kill you. And there really was a cabal of mega-powerful monsters who secretly ran the world, a.k.a. the Founders, although there was one less of them now since the incident just off the 14th fairway of Swinton Golf Course. All that... Plus, her job required her to write articles about a man from Bradford who claimed UFOs had stolen his dog and replaced her with an identical copy. A bunch of people in North Wales who had started a cult worshipping Tom Jones. And some dude who came into the office every loon day who was sexually attracted to cigarette machines. Stella shoved a handful of revels into her mouth. Yes, things were looking up. She decided to make a conscious effort to be more positive and see where it took her. Maybe she could start enjoying life, and who knew? A half-decent guy might fall from the sky and she could take a crack at having one of those relationship things she was always hearing about. Stranger things had happened, certainly to her. Not unlike Yvette's friend, B. Stella had recently done a self-audit, and had come to the conclusion that she was regrettably heterosexual, which was a pain, as men seemed to come in a few unimpressive variations on the same basic idiot model. At a junction up ahead, she noticed a group of half a dozen students talking excitedly and waving their phones about. Stella had to admit that the cliché that people her assumed age were constantly taking selfies and filming themselves held a lot of water. Talk about obsessive behaviour. You couldn't walk through campus without passing somebody videoing themselves on their phone, sharing their every unfiltered thought with the world. She was not a fan of the digital part of the journalism course she was on. The Stranger Times didn't even have a website, which was weird but also kind of retro-cool. They had a big old printing press, run by a stoned Rastafarian, which would rumble through the night making the building shake as it pumped out the physical sheets of paper that was their product. She probably should hate the machine for keeping her awake, but it was, in its way, the most reassuring sound in the world to her. Another edition of the Stranger Times was almost out, and everything was right with the world. As she approached the junction, the crowd grew bigger, with more people joining it. Stella had initially thought the students were holding their phones up searching for that perfect selfie angle, but that wasn't it. Their attention was fixed on something up in the sky. She tapped her headphones to pause the track and was just about to follow their gaze when the screaming started. Stella tried to focus on what they were looking at in the dark sky, but she couldn't. Belatedly, she realised it was because the object was coming rapidly towards her. She froze as people scattered in every direction. With a blur of motion, something passed a couple of feet in front of her face before hitting the ground with a stomach-turning squelch and the shattering of bones. Thick, wet matter splashed across her cheeks as she stumbled backwards. Blue lightning crackled around her fingers as her panic stirred the beast. She started to fall, but hands grabbed her, holding her up. Stella looked down at the ground. A half-decent guy had fallen from the sky. Thank you for listening to the
0: Stranger Times podcast. If you enjoyed it, then please leave a rating wherever you get your pods. The Stranger Times series of books by C.K. Macdonald are available right now in all good bookshops. Check out thestrangertimes.com for loads more fun stuff and to sign up for the newsletter. Where just for subscribing, you'll get yourself a sweet free ebook containing some Stranger Times short stories. This podcast is produced by Rob B at BWE with Ed Wilson and Wife exec producing, and all materials are copyright ink Inc. All of the short stories written by me, C.K. Macdonald. And the music is done by Alan McGuire with John McCullough
1: as musical Svengall.